0: Our guest this week is Quentin Smith. He's the park ranger for the Wichita Mountains Wildlife Refuge down in the Lawton-Fort Sill area. uh, uh, Ranger Smith, good morning. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Good morning. Glad to be here.
0: Well, we've never had you be on the program before, and I know a lot of folks probably know that the refuge uh, is here in Oklahoma, but maybe a lot of folks know know about everything that you do, and I don't know that we've got time to go through all that, but uh, let's give a quick synopsis of the refuge and... uh, and what you guys have been doing over the years?
1: Okay, I can sure do that. So, the refuge was established in 1901. 1901 prior to statehood, we we, we kind of got in there right at the last minute. Uh, the refuge was set aside for big game animals. It wasn't a refuge at the time. I think it, the first designation was, uh, was a, a big game forest preserve. Uh, later on in the years, when it became it became part of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and currently that's that's who manages the refuge. Uh, the refuge is about sixty thousand acres big uh twenty four almost twenty five thousand acres is open to public use The other uh thirty four and some change is closed to public access and reserved for wildlife habitat and what's really significant what's really special about it to me is you think this that thirty four thousand acres has been closed it it's never it's never seen the plow it's never had high visitation in it so when, you, if you, when you're back there and, you know, we're only allowed to be back there for business, but we can be on the public-use side and we can be hiking where we think is a remote area and we'll still find evidence of man left behind. Uh, that 34,000 acres, it, it's not that way. You're not going to find that evidence of man left behind. Uh, but other, other parts that are really significant about that is even when you're on the fence lines of that area, the vegetation just across the fence. Different than what it is on the refuge, and that's because it's been na- it's been managed for that natural state since before the land was settled. So yeah,
0: pretty much unspoiled. Uh, unspoiled.
1: It's yeah. very pristine. It's very pristine, and it, it you know, and it, it, it's it's a treasured value for the for the American people and for the people in the state of Oklahoma.
0: So, uh, one of the top ten visited refuges in the country.
1: Yeah. Among the top 10 visitor refuges in the country, we have 2.1 to 2.5 million visitors a year, depending on the year and how much rainfall we get and how much heat we get. And kind of depends on how many people end up coming to the refuge, but it always seems like we're busy. Spring and fall are definitely our biggest, busiest times. Uh, Probably the most popular activity for the refuge is hiking. We have a large hiking community. We have people that not just local or just the state of Oklahoma. We have hiking groups that are coming out of Kansas and down into Texas and the Dallas-Fort Worth area that are coming up. So it, it, it's a limited resource. That, you know, If you're here on a really busy weekend, sometimes the parking's not enough where you want to be. So if there's not enough parking in the area that you're coming to you bounce out to another area and use it. You know, parking off the pavement, in the grasses, all those kind of things are really frowned upon. So we ask you, you know, if you're out here to come, come out to hiking, and there's not a spot. move to another one. We'll, they'll, we'll, we'll, some some place will be able to facilitate you. Some of the other really big attractions to the to the refuge are definitely Mount Scott or just the wildlife observation. We have we have paved roads throughout uh, that you can see wildlife, wildlife photography. We, we that's sure a big increase right now. Wildlife and, and landscape photography. We're seeing a lot more folks get involved in that. That's really. It's really low impact to us. Uh, and I, don't, it, it, I do it myself. I really enjoy the photography aspect of the refuge myself.
0: Let's talk about now, Are there, is there a cost associated with some of these activities, or is it all free? Or
1: admission? No. So uh, the refuge, currently, there's not an entrance fee. There's not a fee to go hiking. The only fees that you pay on the refuge is if you're going to be in the campground camping overnight. Or if you are one of the lucky ones that get uh, a backcountry permit, all those permits you can find, or all those uh, camping sites you can find on Recreation.gov, and a hundred percent of our camping, whether it's doors campground, public campground, or the backcountry camping, is done through Recreation.gov. And I know I'll repeat that we transitioned that just here about two years ago, and it, it still have some folks that come in wanting to do the first come first serve and we just don't offer it anymore So when you say
0: backcountry hiking for those of us that don't know exactly what that is okay. what is it
1: yeah so backcountry camping so we have one area on the refuge that is ear tagged for backcountry camping backcountry camping it's, it's a limited it's a limited resource' you know, around 10 people at a time you put your backpack on your back and you hike out about a mile and a half to where the designated area starts. You're allowed to camp within that designated area. Uh, there's no campfires allowed in there. There's no picnic tables. Uh, we truly encourage people. I mean, it's a leave no trace area. So we the evidence that, that any camper, any hiker has ever been through there. We we hope we don't ever see that.
0: All right. So uh, uh, they they camp overnight if they want to. They wander. camp
1: overnight. They, what, so what what you get with that is you get a uh, two night three day permit, and the permits run. Friday night, Saturday night, out on Sunday, or a Monday night, Tuesday night, out on Wednesday. Uh, Now, those are in high demand. If you're not booking it three months in advance, you will not get a permit. So,
0: uh, it's good that people are able to use that and take advantage of that.
1: Oh, yeah. No, and there's there's not much, you know, I, I haven't done a whole lot of research, but at least this this geographical area, this, this is the only backcountry camping that I know of. You know, you've got some out at Grand Canyon. Uh, there may be some uh, somewhere down around Texas. I've heard. I can't even remember the name of the place, but anyway, it, it is a limited resource for this geographical area for sure.
0: Also, you offer rock climbing, which is a. I think that's a growing sport.
1: Rock climbing. Rock climbing has been growing over the years. Uh, rock climbing has been a staple here. Some people started climbing out here, and been climbing ever since. Uh, you know, we 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 have designated. There's several designated routes. Uh, there's some resources for it here at our visitor center. There's a there's a nature store here that has some guides that will help people get started and sh- showing them where the routes are. There's some easily accessible routes, you know, and then there's some routes that are that are two or three mile hike in to, to find the routes. Uh, uh, Wichita Mountains Climbing Coalition is a really good resource for getting into climbing, and there's some climbing gyms up around Oklahoma City and Tulsa that, that also offer some some intro level climbing stuff.
0: So, yeah. and even mountain biking got the that opportunity mountain, too.
1: Yeah, mountain biking. Yes, we have one mountain biking trail around the base of Mount Scott, and this mountain biking trail it's a it's a two track road that we use for. For management purposes, but we do allow bicycles on that one trail only. Now, just across the fence, our neighbors, Medicine Park and the City of Lawton, have several mountain biking trails over there that are some pretty challenging mountain bike trails. I've got, I've got, I've hit the ground several times over on those. So you know, on an easy ride, our 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 maintenance road around the base of Mount Scott on the refuge, or just right off the refuge, our neighbors, the City of Lawton, and Medicine Park has some great uh, mountain biking trails.
0: We wanted to uh, call attention to uh, one reason, another reason we run what have you on the show was uh, coming up this next week. It's a big uh, kind of a national holiday for for national parks.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's so the event is going to be September 24th. It's National Public Lands Day. National Public Lands Day is the largest volunteer day. On public lands throughout the United States, so uh, each many of the public lands, whether it's whether it's a national park, a refuge, or even your city parks, will be establishing these events all over the nation. Uh, everybody's events going to look different, and it's a, it's a day of volunteerism. It's a day of giving back. Uh, ours, we've 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 got a trash to treasures. Uh, uh, Trash to Treasures theme. So what 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 that is is you'll come into the visitor center at nine o'clock that morning, check in with us. We'll have you fill out some paperwork and give you some give you some equipment and assign you an area. Once you've got your area assigned, you'll you'll go and pick up trash off that area. Then bring that trash back to us, and we're giving out treasures. We're giving out prizes. We're gonna have a T-shirt. Uh, we're encouraging groups to participate. So. There's, I think there's five different trophies that we're giving out. We're giving out a trophy for the most trash collected by a team, oddest objects collected by a team, the most recyclables collected, uh, largest team participation, and then whatever team shows up with the biggest amount of team spirit will get a trophy. Got that, some really cool trophies that go along with that.
0: I'm curious uh, to find out what some of the items that have been found over the years. As far as, so, talking about the, the odors, some of
1: the yeah. some of the stuff. Is, so, we found it. it you know, we're a wildlife refuge, and we I have an amazing volunteer corps. I've got volunteers that are out here every day of the week doing all kinds of jobs. So sometimes when, we, when these big events come up, we, the odd items that show up, I, I, it's amazing to me that they can show up at all because of the core that I've got does do such a good job. But when you have so many people on the landscape getting in so deep, you find some really odd things. So uh, I think in 2019 we found a 42-inch big screen TV. <laughs> off of a road edge, we found a printer, like a like your household printer. Somebody had thrown over a dam, a
0: computer printer, like yeah,
1: yeah, a computer <laughs> printer, like, and then you know somebody lost a a tire, a few hundred yards out in the prairie, and those are really kind of the oddest things. Now there's some, you know, if you if you, yeah, yeah, there's some. That's about, those that are about the oddest things we found. I. Nothing, nothing too crazy in that era. Yeah,
0: but uh, it's mostly litter that uh, has uh, managed to uh, hang around for a little bit. Maybe some of the volunteers don't find or uh, yeah, stuff uh, like that.
1: Not just that, you know. When you when we've got large events like this, we've already got 170 folks pre-registered. So this this year is, is shaping up to be the largest year that that I can remember in the 15 that I've been here. 2019 was the last time we held the event. I think we had 112 people then. When you've got that many people covering, covering the areas and, you know, you're kind of going through it with a fine-tooth comb, you know, the, uh, you're, you're hitting all the trails, you're hitting all the dams, and some of those, some of those dams, you know, most of my volunteer corps, uh, most of my volunteer corps kind of hits the main public use areas on a routine basis, you know, your picnic areas, uh, your top of Mount Scott, those kind of places. So when you're getting this many people and hitting everything you can, you, you come up with those oddities. So uh, do, with a lot more material.
0: So, uh, do you weigh the the items when they come back?
1: Yeah. So we'll weigh the trash total total trash weight, and then we'll we'll do some leave no trace and pull out the recyclables so that we're making sure we're re- recycling everything that we can, and then we'll weigh the recycling and, and and figure out who's got that.
0: So, do you want people to? Do you want people to pre-register, or can they just
1: show up? They can. You know, they can just show up. If, if you've got a large group, yeah, we want you to pre-register, and they can contact uh, the Refuge at 580-429-2197 and, and ask whoever at the front desk about National Public Lands Day, and hopefully they'll route, route that call back to me, and I'll get I'll get whoever needs to be squared away on pre-registration. Or just show up. We'll, we'll take care of you that day. So
0: when you say a large group, you talk about ten or more, I'm guessing? Yeah,
1: ten or more. That'd be great. Uh, we're also going to provide a meal that day. We'll have... Cornhole setup and and at the refuge trailer. We'll do we'll be doing a few little small classes, you know, more kid friendly classes, doing some skins and skulls and fur classes. Oh kids love that.
0: They love yeah, that stuff.
1: They do like that stuff. And then we'll do some lead then we'll you know, we're always talking about lead no trace. We're always trying to push the lead no trace messaging and, and leaving it like you found it and taking only pictures with you, you know
0: wanted to talk about some upcoming activities uh after uh national public Lands Day next week you've got some uh, uh some interesting things going on right now and this is something i was on a number of years ago I, I took my mom down there for uh the elk bugling uh program that's pretty fascinating
1: yeah so we historically we've always done the bugling elk tours uh Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do those this year, but that doesn't mean that the elk aren't bugling. The elk are still bugling. Uh, The elk started bugling about a week ago, maybe a week and a half. And so what the bugling elk is is the, the elk going to rut. It's their mating season. And so the bulls and cows are bugling. The bulls are gathering their harems. So the bulls will get as many females as they can and they'll kind of separate them apart. But, uh, the process of doing that is a lot of you a lot of calling. And if you get lucky, you know, you may see some sparring matches between the uh, more dominant males. Uh, what's, that, the ti- what's the best time? What's the
0: best time of day to do that? Is there
1: so the, the best time of day to do that is from is either sun up or sun down. Uh, what, you know, with the cooler it gets, the, the stronger they'll get into it. But right now, the best times of day are, are sun up till sun or sunrise and sunset. Uh, some of the better areas, you know, that seem to produce uh, elk for viewing every, every, every year, it's kind of that Rush Lake area seems to be really, really good. A lot of times right here in the visitor center parking lot, looking back to the north is, is pretty productive. And then getting further out west, you know, it, that, what those western edges, less people make the, make the drive all the way to the west end so making that, making that westerly drive, and when you get here, it's kind of stop, kind of stop. Turn, turn your engine off, roll down your windows, or even take a step and take a short hike. You're going to see those. Uh, you're going to hear the animals for sure. Whether or not you get the opportunity to see one, that, that, that depends on you know, their wildlife. We can't guarantee that.
0: Right. Uh, take binoculars for sure.
1: Yeah, take binoculars. Take your cameras. Always want to promote the. Opportunity to get some good wildlife uh, photography opportunities,
0: and and some people bring homemade uh, bugling tools that they can use to maybe get a response.
1: Yeah, we we don't really oh, uh, <laughs> uh, we don't encourage that at all. Okay, and when I, and I can explain it. It's pretty easy. Uh, if we've got a bull or a cow and They're in the middle of their rut, and they're chasing males or they're chasing females, and they're responding to us with this fake call. They're wasting time and resources and energy on chasing a fake call as opposed to doing their business of finding a mate. So
0: Plus, it could be a little bit dangerous. I guess I would imagine if it, they were it close to It could enough. be a little bit dangerous. Yeah. You know, we're
1: we're a wildlife refuge, so we're always we're always pushing to maximize what our wildlife. You know, maximize the their potential for success. So, you know, if we're if we're distracting them and discouraging them from 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 getting the right mate, uh, pulling them to our calls, we're kind of doing them injustice.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, also, a fall foliage tour will be coming up shortly.
1: I don't know if we're going to be able to do the fall foliage tours. A lot of the tours, uh, you know, cramming 30 people on a bus this, and, and the, you know, kind of the, you know, just coming out of the pandemic, we're still, we're still, we're still leery about doing that. We're, we're in discussions about it, but we haven't set, we haven't set that yet. So we're, we're still holding off on most of our tours at this time.
0: So not tours, but uh, certainly there's going to be a chi- time when the leaves will change and you invite people to come on down and enjoy that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So towards the end of October, we should start seeing some color changes. Uh, Usually travel Oklahoma, Oklahoma tourism, they kind of keep tabs on everywhere around the state. It's starting to go through that fall foliage and try to hit the peaks. But typically for us, it's around the end of October. We're starting to see lots of colors, you know, the severe drought that we had and that we're currently in. It's going to change the dynamics of what we'd normally see for fall foliage in this area because some of our trees have already turned because of just because of the drought conditions. So it's going to be an interesting fall foliage this year for us due to the drought conditions that we're currently having.
0: I know from time to time you have some prescribed burns uh, at the refuge to you try to get the word out when those happen. So uh, talk yeah. about the, 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 the logic behind the prescribed burns.
1: Yeah, so... so- the refuge is always looking at, at prescribed burns throughout the year. And the reason that we're doing that is, is when you, when you look, when you, when you, you're looking at natural fire cycles on, eco, on ecosystems. And so when you look at the refuge, you take a tree and you core it or you, you look at the rings and from that core and those rings, you can see when natural fire actually came through an ecosystem. And for the refuge here, it's somewhere between three and seven years natural fire would move through the refuge the and, you know, it's dating back prior to prior to man's interruption to the landscape. So we're trying to establish a natural fire cycle for some, somewhere in between every three and seven years. So the refuges broke down into what we call burn units. and Each of those burn units, are we try to get them burned every three to seven years. That doesn't always happen. Anytime we're looking at a burn, you know, our, our, our biggest concern is what, making sure that we're going to be able to do that burn safely and successfully. So if, if even though it may have been five or seven years since an area got burned, if the conditions aren't right and we can't do that burn safely without posing a threat to our employees or posing a threat to private landowners or to the public, then that burn doesn't happen. So making sure the prescriptions are right on those burns is is, is always first and foremost, and that's why it's not always easy to say, you know, we're going to burn around Doris campground at this time and we're going to close it for reservations. We don't always know when that opportunity is going to arise. So uh, anytime you're coming to the refuge, it's a good idea to check the website, check our Facebook post. We do keep those updated you know, to the minute that we know those things are going to happen. So the public has as much lead time as we do uh, to make those happen. And usually we do press releases that we're looking at doing a prescribed burn in, in a, week or two weeks or even a month out uh, whether or not that's going to end up coming true we just it depends on what the weather's giving given us on those days that we're trying to get it done
0: wichita mountains wildlife refuge facebook page would be the best way to uh, find out a lot of that information
1: yes sir yes sir we hadn't talked much about uh fishing yeah so we've, a... we've i think we've got somewhere around nine fishing lakes on the refuge we, we've uh, most of the species are, are, are bass, crappie. There, there's sunfish and bluegill, and there's a few channel cat. Uh, some of the lakes, I know Lake Elmer Thomas is a really popular bass fishing lake, and then all the way on the west end, French Lake is, is a really good uh, crappie fishing lake. Those those lakes, it, it, I always get people coming in the visitor center and asking me, well, where's the best place to catch fish, and where's the best place to catch fish, and uh, honestly, it's like any lake that you've fished in your life or any pond you've fished in your life. Once you learn that lake and learn how to fish it, you'll be successful. Just got to get here and get started to, to have success.
0: Have a little patience. That's uh, yes, the best virtue for a fisherman, no doubt. Uh, also, uh, you, had, you had mentioned before we went on the air about uh, uh, the big four and as far as uh, wildlife are concerned down there. So let's talk about that. And how you yeah, control so, how you control their populations?
1: Yeah, so man management of our uh, big four. So our big four are what we consider our big four our, ours are: is our longhorn population, our bison population, our elk population, and our deer population. And how do we manage those? And so when you start talking about managing those, the refuge, as we mentioned earlier, is sixty thousand acres. Sixty thousand acres will only has the carrying capacity for a certain number of animals. So as animals as populations increase we've got to have a means of taking back those populations. Uh the longhorn, how we how we manage manage their population is any excess animals of the year, we take them to the Apache Apache livestock sale. We take a group in the spring and then we take a group in the fall. Uh elk and deer, we have hunts. Uh the hunts how we figure out what we're how, how we figure out the hunt numbers of the population for those is we do we do surveys we do nighttime spotlight surveys here on the refuge and then we also have aerial surveys that give us the estimated populations for the deer and the elk. Uh, after we get those estimated populations, that kind of gives us the harvest number that we want each year for those.
0: And uh, you t- and you have uh, people registered in advance. Uh, for those and always a lot more applicants come in than you have room for
1: oh yeah definitely so we it's a lottery drawn hunt the elk is a is a lottery drawn hunt and the deer is a lottery drawn hunt those those are managed in cooperation with the oklahoma department of wildlife conservation so you can visit the odwc uh website i think it's wildlifedepartment.com they they start taking applications i think it is in december january and then for the You'll find out in uh, March or March or June when when those when, when who's selected. Anyhow, uh, on the refuge here, I think we're having one, two, three, four, five elk hunts this year, and probably one deer hunt. Uh, the elk hunts uh, there's a couple different options on the elk hunts. Elk hunts you can have a walk-in hunt where you're walking in, or you have what we call our traditional hunts, to where we have have you have the area have the refuge broke down into different areas, and you would load in the back of a pickup with a with a hunt leader and nine other guys, and we would take you out and more or less drop you off in a four or five thousand acre unit, and you'd go harvest your animal and bring it back. A lot to do. At, at, yeah, uh, the deer. Yeah. deer done the, yeah, so the deer are done the same way as the elk with the lottery drawing and and the different options for 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 hunts. And then the bison. The bison, we've 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 started managing those a little different. Bison, bison management has has come a long way uh, just in the time I've been here at the refuge. I've been at the refuge for about fifteen years now. Uh, So bison management. So you got to kind of got to. I want to take you back a little bit. So, uh, you know, there used to be millions of bison that roamed throughout North America, and you take that millions of bison, and you reduce that population down to about about 1,000 right at the turn of the century. You lose a lot at DNA. You lose a lot of alleles, You lose a lot of diversity, genetic diversity. Uh, currently, all of the Department of Interior herds and our herd here on the refuge has what they call a pit tag. That pit tag is a, it has the genetic coding of that animal that is in its ear. or The pit tag goes in the animal's ear and it has its genetic coding on it. So each year when we bring our animals through, we can look at that animal's genetic diversity and whether or not it's got genetics or DNA that we need to, that we need to keep or farm out to another refuge or it's one that is in surplus and we can afford to uh, get rid of that animal. And when I say we get rid of that animal, we're, we're currently working with other national public lands to To enhance genetic diversity, and then we're also working with uh, tribes to reestablish conservation herds throughout the United
0: States. Yeah, we we hate to lose those magnificent animals. That's for sure. I know you work hard to uh, to preserve them and uh,
1: move them to other parts of the country. Yeah, no, the bison populations are doing well now, and now it's I think the, the, the heavy lift on that is over. Now, making sure that we're keeping genetic diversity and pure genetics intact as we're management's kind of going to now
0: quentin smith is a park ranger at the wichita mountains wildlife refuge uh, quentin we thank you for your time today and uh good luck uh and uh we hope to see you soon
1: all right well thank you we, we appreciate it and see everybody when you get here